Alright everybody, welcome to uh, the new beginnings of the Back to Warcraft podcast, I guess. Episode 26. I am today not alone anymore, but I'm joined by a former world champion, by the major of the town hall. Latard is with us. How are you doing, man? Doing good, you know. Uh, I'm doing better in this weather, I'll tell you that, because it's all cloudy and gray skies outside. Uh, yeah, excited to have a chat with you about various topics. We're going to talk about a little bit of everything today. Yeah, exactly. It was uh last time was was not the most lighthearted topic, so we got to change that. I know that you're a big uh, movie aficionado and you want to talk about Dune and Matrix first, so not start with the Warcraft in and out because that could get us uh, tilted down the road, but you know a little little in, uh, in and out of movie. So, how was Dune? This is what everybody is talking about at the moment. I think I liked Dune, but I think I made a mistake in that I watched the trailers for movies. First of all, that's, in my opinion, a mistake. And also, yeah. I watched them too many times. So then I have this like preconceived idea of what the movie is supposed to be like or is going to be like. I build all these scenarios in my head. And then when I go to the movie and it's totally different, I'm like, oh, like this was different. Than what I thought. Yeah, of course, it was different than what I thought. Like, it's just a trailer. So it kind of rustled me some things. Like, uh, there is some... Uh, some dialogues in the trailer that are completely different in the movie. And I don't know if they That's do weird. this to make the movie more appealing or if they do it to confuse you so that there is no major spoilers. But it really triggered me when I heard, you know, like, let's say like there's question answer. And I heard the question from the trailer and the answer was like totally different. I'm like, what? What is this? You know, like, I'm, I'm so angry right now, but uh, I, I feel like it's more on me. I guess who uh, I build up my anticipations and I get maybe like too hyped also sometimes and then I go to a movie and it's just different. But I would say Dune was good. It's just at first I was like, eh, like I'm not sure, but I'm going to go and rewatch it uh, on Wednesday. How many times do you watch a trailer? I mean, how much is there to take away from a trailer that you watch it multiple times? Well, the thing about trailers these days is I feel like the downside is that they spoil a lot, but the upside yeah. is they're absolutely epic. Like the montage is like, in my opinion, a work of art. It's so well built, well put together. And there is always epic music of which I'm a yeah. big fan of. So that's why I rewatch them many times because they're, they're like addictive. They're like, you know, this this little French dessert, you know, like a, let, <laughs> let's say like a fondant au chocolat, you know, like you should only really have one, but then you have one for a dessert for lunch, one for dessert for dinner. And then for a whole week, you're having fondant for every dessert of every meal. And it's like, you are incapable of controlling yourself, which is a perfect example for me because I'm a sugar addict. So it's kind of the same with trailer. I just watch them like 200 times on repeat for the music, oh, for the dialogue, for the montage together. So I'm I'm the total opposite here. I don't watch too many movies, but if I'm looking forward to a movie, I don't watch the trailer at all because of those exact reasons. Like if there's yeah. something epic happening in the trailer that already takes away my excitement from when it happening in the movies like imagine you watch lord of the rings and you see in the trailer already that this big army of ghosts is coming in like that that would totally ruin the experience for me because i know it's happening so i don't watch any trailers at all wouldn't it be smarter for you to watch the trailers afterwards then yeah probably uh I mean, it's also, I feel like there is different type of trailers, right? I feel like when Avengers was coming up and was going to happen soon, there was a boatload of trailers and there was so much promo down around it, but they did such a sick job of not spoiling anything. Okay, you just saw good. small glimpses and stuff like of Thanos and all that stuff. And, but you, you had no idea how it would end. You had no idea about like some of the key points in the movie, or at least not as much as there is in some of the trailers recently. So... 
For Avengers, it didn't bother me watching the trailer that many times, even though I definitely went overboard and like watched some of the theory videos and stuff. And then, and then I knew about a lot of the possible scenarios. But for uh, some of the recent movies that I've seen, I was like, okay, this is just too much. Like you just see too much for sure. Yeah, what I like is teasers. That's kind of a different format than a trailer, I think. It's just a 15, 20 second thing. So you get a feel of what the setting is, of what the mood is going to be, and maybe a glimpse of something that's happening. And if it's the, if a teaser is done well, you get the feeling of, oh boy, this movie shit is about to go down. And I think that's, that's at least to me, a, a better way to get hyped about a movie. Because it doesn't spoil that much. But so you haven't watched the Dune trailer or the Matrix trailer? I didn't watch the Dune trailer. In preparation for this podcast, I did watch the Matrix trailer. No! Just, just you for you! <laughs> just for you! I wasn't going to watch it, but I, I know you wanted to talk about it, so I watched it. And so what do you think? <sighs> obviously, obviously, I'm... A super big Matrix nerd. That was my first real favorite movie ever. I didn't watch it in the cinemas because I think I was 10 years old when Matrix got out. And that was... I think you had to be 16 to see it in the in in the cinema. But... Uh, so it you was didn't kind have of... a fake ID? With McLovin, his name? No, in my... In my rural area in, in northern Germany, there was, uh, I think, nothing like fake IDs. We were all pretty, pretty tame and friendly. Uh, but the, the, the boyfriend of my mom gave it to me because he knew I was into like computer games and stuff. Oh, this is so cool. I watched it in the movies. You got to see this as a DVD in like 2000 or something. And yeah, that blew me away. Um, of course, it's a very, very different time now, so I don't know if they can recapture the magic that, that was Matrix 1. They obviously tried already with uh, the movies that don't exist, aka Matrix 2 and Matrix 3. This horrible pieces of garbage! Um, so yeah, I watched the trailer, and the music is really good. And I think yeah. sound design was never really an issue for the Matrix movies. But you Have know, you listened to the lyrics carefully during the trailer? Uh, yeah, it's about pills and stuff, right? Yeah, it's like if you uh, take the right Ali pills. Alice in Wonderlands. Ah. Like the, 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 I watched the video <laughs> so about, about the lyrics and what they mean and, like, wow. it's and everything. It's really, really, like, it's really well done. It actually, for Matrix so far, I'm very hyped without overthinking the what's going to happen, I would say. From what I took away from the trailer, the story... I don't know, man. It feels like they just do it again. Everybody forgot about everything and they have to like relearn each other and relearn about the Matrix. This seems rather cheap because it's been done in movies 500 million times. And I don't know, Matrix 1 was so new and so fresh uh, with all the the church themes coming in together, like the Holy Trinity of Morpheus Neo and obviously Trinity, um, and the New World Order kind of topic there. And this feels like, oh, it's just an action movie. I don't think you can um, put so much ph philosophy into a fourth movie because the story is kind of told. And the story is freaking, like, Matrix 2 and 3 is so complicated. Yeah. Like, who understands these movies when they watch them the first time? It's kind of impossible. So, rewinding everything and explaining it from, from 
like a new point of view. I don't know. Doesn't hook me yet. Yeah. Also, the actions. Hmm? Easier to understand the tenets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean, a couple of watches. <laughs> to fully grasp what was happening in there. Oh, my God. Also, the action scenes were so new with Matrix yeah. 1. And since then, everyone and everything has done this bullet time thing. Like, we had it in computer games and, like, Max Payne back in the day. And every cheap action movie is doing it nowadays. But the cool thing about that was that there was not too much CGI. It was a cool mix of, like, shooting and martial arts. So this was all fresh. And so far, it looks like a lot of CGI to me. So it loses a bit of charm. I'm I'm not too hyped yet. Yeah, yeah. It has potential to be entertaining. Don't you think, though, that there is a bit of a problem in that we often... Like, we're very picky with movies. We want every movie yeah. to be, like, a masterpiece. So yeah. we always compare every movie to, like, the biggest and best out there. So it's, like, almost impossible. You've got to get only so few masterpieces out True. there and, like, great movies. So it's hard to, like, lower your standards and be like, okay, I'm gonna, just going to watch this. I expect to be, like, mildly entertained and it's going to be enough, you know, for me to... I guess be fully focused into that movie for like one hour or two, decompress and like, you know, get off like a disconnect from reality, so to speak, right? And like feel some emotions and then go back to, to, to normal life. And I think that's like a big problem that a lot of people have, myself included, where like, you know, I often hope that every movie that I'm going to watch is going to be amazing. And sometimes, you know, they're, they're all right. They're average. They're semi-good. Sometimes they're terrible. And we we just compare everything to the best too often, maybe sometimes. Very, very true. Yeah, very true. I had this revelation, I think, two weeks ago. Uh was under a little bit of stress, so I just wanted to watch something, I don't know, dumb, something silly. And then I watched Avengers. Uh, I, I never watched it before. I was never really the biggest fan of superheroes, but I was never really opposed to them as well. And for this setting, when you don't want to think about stuff too much... That's just perfect. It's lighthearted fun. It's good action. It's well done. It looks great. The music is great. It can create some epic moments that you enjoy then. Um, if the character design is well enough and you care about the like uh, uh, protagonists and the story isn't too stupid, then it, then it can be super fun. And it, yeah, movies like that, they they fill a purpose. Like they They don't want to make you rethink your life like uh, i don't know whiplash or whatever um but yeah i totally agree like yeah we have to lower our standards uh, just past the time it's just like movies are just two hours or something if they're bad it's not the worst thing in the world if you watch i don't know nine seasons of game of thrones and then you're disappointed in the end i can feel that you can be a little enraged and 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 feel negative towards it but yeah, for movies, I'm totally on your side. So and I'm the... freaking addicted to Marvel. Like, I watched uh, WandaVision right after. Oh, you did? And I'm going to watch this new... Which Avengers? You watched both movies, uh, Infinity War and then Endgame? Yeah. The... Oh, okay. But <laughs> Pretty much are... back to back. You didn't watch the individual movies of, like, each uh, hero and stuff before that? I watched a couple of them. Yeah. When, like, you know, friends want to go to a movie and... I don't really care what we're watching, but they were all super big Marvel fans. So I watched uh, 
Black Panther before, I watched a couple of Captain Americas before. I had a decent idea of what's happening. Uh, So it wasn't totally out of the loop. So I understood what's happening, and for that it was was pretty much perfect. Yeah, now I'm watching everything. I will go to the movies after Dune and watch, what's it called? Uh, The new new Marvel movie. Spider-Man? No, 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 not Spider-Man. This uh, uh, Marvel movie 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's raving about that, so... Yeah, I guess I will. I I will go at like early afternoon or noon. Yeah, I saw it already. It was cool. I think a big problem with some of these uh, superhero movies is that often the villain is just kind of terrible. Oh yeah, for a lot of them, at least the individual ones, like Thanos, obviously was one of the best ones. Oh man. But yeah, a lot of the individuals, like you know, like in Thor, you got like the Dark Elves, which are like just freaking useless or something and then it's like i don't know i wasn't so into this movie like it's important to have a good villain but i feel like what marvel has done really well is mixing humor with seriousness you know and like making like really making the superhero movies entertaining to the max better so than uh, dc comics in my opinion oh yeah the dc movies except from batman are pretty horrible from what i've seen so far I think Joker was really, really good, but that's not your typical superhero yeah. movie, I guess. It might as well not even be a superhero movie at all, like just like a normal movie. Yeah, yeah it's like a, I don't know, thriller kind of thing. But that was that was really good. I agree with you. Um, it's not the silliest humor I've ever seen. You care about the characters. Uh, and some people die in these movies, which is kind of cool as well, because... I hate it with superhero movies when you feel too safe about your protagonist. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like, it's, I mean, it's a problem in like most movies, most, most action movies, you know, they always yeah. try to convince you at some point that the hero's in trouble or whatever, or like the, <laughs> the protagonist. And it's like, oh my God, can he get out of this one? He's like stuck inside of, <laughs> of a safe at the bottom of the ocean, the sharks <laughs> around him. And then like. By some miracle, you know, like there's like a scuba diving kit at the bottom of the <laughs> sea. He just puts it on. He's like, back up in no time. I guess I'm still waiting to the end. So, yeah, too many movies have this problem. That's why when I see a movie where it's not like that, you know, where it's a little bit darker. And so, and that's why I have a hard yeah. time with a lot of the stuff that Disney does, whether it's like um, Star Wars or, or other stuff. I feel like it's made too much to cater to big audience, to aka like to children as well. And, like, I don't need to see, like, a lot of blood and really messed up stuff to enjoy a, a show. But I feel like it makes it more real when it's like that, right? It's like, yeah. you know, I don't know what you thought about World War Z. Remember that movie where, like, oh, it's like boy. a zombie movie, but you never see anything? Yeah, like, yeah. Or <laughs> But Marvel really is part of Disney, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they are also. But, uh, yeah, that's what you were talking about. It's also, ca- sometimes it kind of feels like it's made for children. But I would say in the case of... Uh, of Marvel, the humor hits a little better. And there is usually more casualties... Mm-hmm. Uh, so to speak and like it makes it more realistic but yeah, that, that, that's just me maybe it's the dark side of Disney or the darker yeah. side of Disney yeah I agree so we have to do a follow up of this podcast once I finally watch Dune um, the question for me is like I really miss an epic trilogy in the movies recently um, Star Wars was really disappointing I think the Hobbit was really disappointing, so it feels like everybody is craving for this new Lord of the Rings, and has Dune the potential to become that new Lord of the Rings? I think they only announced the second movie, didn't they? I don't, actually, oh, I don't maybe, know. 
I, I think th there is almost certainly a second movie. Uh, but uh, sometimes I feel like they have to wait until the f to see if the first one does well or not because Dune mm -hmm. is like a very risky bet. Like you were telling me earlier, you watched uh, the previous Dune, oh, which is talked about a lot because it flopped completely at the box office. And then there was also the version that was supposed to be made by this guy's name, who I can't remember. Uh, and uh, that never came out. Yeah. yeah that, and... that was so ambitious, this, this problem. Yeah, it's yeah. a really, really good documentary, Aronofsky's Dune. One guy basically tried to... Uh, make a dune movie or or a trilogy or a saga by himself and yeah that kind of failed but it's it's kind of crazy how obsessed he was with that topic so it's a, it's one of my favorite documentaries i haven't watched it fully i think i watched a little bit of it but yeah, i need to finish it for sure that dude is freaking crazy <laughs> but you know that's that's the case with a lot of artists i guess you have to be yeah. a little crazy uh to be successful uh, I think it's like that for a lot of directors. The problem is that, you know, money, right? It's like money leads everything. And often yeah. the producers, they don't have full creative uh, direction on their movies. They're, they're controlled a lot by studios, by people that pay the money to produce their movies. So it's like a big problem for them. They have to try and kind of mix both. Very rarely do they get full, uh, I don't know what's the right word, but yeah, full creative freedom. Yeah around their movie. And uh, there, there's a French director, I forgot his name. He made a movie a while back and there was a documentary on it. Oh, I think I remember it's that movie with like Bruce Willis, maybe. Oh no, no, sorry, Vin Diesel. <laughs> totally different actually, <laughs> I guess it's bald also. But yeah. I think it's Vin Diesel. It's like a movie where it's like maybe post-apocalyptic apocalyptic, and there, there's a girl who has like kind of like superpowers or something. And then, so basically it's like a Hollywood supposed to be like somewhat of Hollywood blockbuster. And like, I think it's this French director. He was supposed to direct that. And there is a documentary around it. This guy just went mad doing this <laughs> because he was given so many restrictions. And then uh, he was just going nuts. And I think at some points, maybe I mistake that one for another, but like there is a part in the documentary where he's like, he's taking the script and he lights it on fire. And he's like, oh, look, my movie is going up in flames. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought he was so sick. And it's like, I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. Like people that pay money that... To, to produce the movie, what, like, what does the movie cost nowadays? It's like, you know, 50, 100, 200 million. So sick, yeah. It's because they hope that these movies are going to make five, 600 or more. So they invest this money. But at the same time, if you invest this much money, of course, you'd want to look at the product yeah. and be like, yeah, like maybe this shouldn't be like that. Otherwise, it's going to fail. But then at the end of the day, the guy that makes the movie maybe knows better. Like, so it's like you have to take a risk either way. You know, it's like, I got a lot of tattoos. I got two sleeves. When I went there, I gave full creative uh, freedom to, to the artist, but it's also a bit of a risk. You know, what if he does something that I really hate? But it turns out the way they merged the tattoos and stuff, I really liked. And it was totally different than what I initially wanted to do. But the thing is, they're the expert on it. Yeah. But I also understood that it came with a risk that maybe I wasn't going to like it as much, but now I really like it and I'm happy with it. But yeah, it's like, imagine you were one of those guys, you, you pay like, you know, 50 mil, 100 mil for a movie. <laughs> Would you want to try and have a say in the way the movie is made and what's in it? Or would you give total yeah. creative freedom to the director? Yeah, it's also a very different approach of thinking like the producer uh, or the director. They just want to do a nice piece of art. And the guy who gives the money, of course, w wants to make uh, the most amount of money. So you have to cater to some different regions maybe as well. Uh, for example, wasn't it? 
Iron Man 3 who really catered to a Chinese audience or something. So you have to put something in to appeal to the Chinese audience uh, because it's a huge market, of course. Yeah. Which one was 3? The one with the 1 million Iron Mans. Oh, uh, yeah. Wait. I'm going to Google the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, the last fight was around a boat or something, and there were 20 different Iron Mans because he was of the opinion that he can't do it all alone, so he created 30 Iron Mans. Oh, it's with the Mandarin. Yeah. And with Guy Pearce, right? Yeah, so I think there something happened where, uh, okay, you have to put some some Chinese stuff in to cater to that audience, and uh, maybe that wasn't even originally thought about when writing the script, so that, that fucks with everything then at some point. Yeah, uh... Yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of like that where a lot of movies, yeah, they try to have like different, uh, that diversity, right, in them. Like usually it's very rare nowadays for like a, one of these movies to not have either a Chinese or a Korean actor. It's because mm-hmm. it's like, it's also like big markets and you're sure that if you have one of these stars, uh, the, the entire market there is like, or like the, the country is going to go and watch the movie. So yeah. uh, to me, it doesn't matter so much. I kind of like that, you know, inclusivity. Uh, yeah, me too. On one hand, but sometimes, yeah, of course, if it feels too forced, you know, uh, it's going to seem a little silly. I know that, uh, you know, Omar C. Yeah. The actor who played in Lupin and also yeah. in Untouchable. Sometimes he was in movie, and I remember seeing a lot of comments about how he barely had any lines because, like, so at first, like, of course, now he's better, but at first, I remember his English wasn't that great, or like some people, you know, didn't like his performance so much as an actor. So I remember seeing a lot of comments like that. But nowadays, I would say most people agree that you know he's a very good actor, and I think French people are always happy to see him, like, uh, in anything that he appears in. He was in. Uh, what's the English? The English name of this, uh, where he's the guy, uh, he becomes the best friend of the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah, uh, untouchable in French. Ah, yeah. Untouchable in maybe in English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. That was a very cool movie. Yeah, yeah. This one is like the one that maybe got him really, really well known, even though he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah. All right. So much about the movie scene. Want to talk some Warcraft or what? Nah. <laughs> nah, nah, not feeling it. Not, not feeling it. What's your relationship with Warcraft at the moment? Right now, I'm pretty triggered, to be honest. I feel like all matchups uh, for humans are like very difficult, and uh, yeah, it's it's a struggle daily. Uh, on one hand, I really like the game, but also I kind of really hate it. It's I don't know if you ever watched uh, Nick Diaz interview. He's like no, a really old school fighter, Nick and Nate Diaz, and they're like very famous because they're super outspoken. They're like some of the few people that will say what they think all the time. And they have like some uh, somewhat controversial opinions sometimes. And th- <laughs> there was an interview in which Nick Diaz spoke where he said, I love this game and fighting so much that I hate it. Oh, yeah. Also. And it, it kind of feels like that sometimes for me uh, with, with Warcraft, where like the more I play it, also the more I understand it. And I can see all of its flaws. So I, while I appreciate the beauty, I also see some lack of potential and also yeah just the lack of potential exploited or fulfilled is one of the worst sure. things for me to experience and i feel like a lot of games are like that these days i also play PUBG, and let me tell you like this game <laughs> infuriates me as well like it's, there used to be this thing there's so many problems with the game like they release a patch like a big patch i don't know every few weeks or every month 
the last one broke the queue, like you're crashing out all the time out of the lobby and stuff. He's like, what are you guys doing? Like, they used to have the, a bigger player base than Dota 2 and than CS. They surpassed them for a while. It's so sick. But because they did nothing around the game, they kind of let their game scale down or like just be reduced massively in player base. And I feel like for Warcraft 3, obviously Reforge was butchered, but now Blizzard, Blizzard has gone radio silence. We don't hear anything from them. We don't know if there's ever going to be a patch again. And that also yeah. kind of infuriates me to think about because this is the game like I'm dedicated to. You know, I'm streaming day in, day out. And uh, I, I just would like to see the game be the best version that it can be, or at least close to it. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a lot of topics here. Um, I can, even though I don't play too much, I can kind of feel where you're coming from just watching games. It's something I said in the casts recently a lot that playing human is 90% suffering. In a lot of matchups, you just... Of course, you have to fast expand in a lot of matchups, and that's the nature of a fast expansion to to be a little weaker while your opponent is tacking. But oh my, you have to like just hold on and survive somehow for 15 minutes, and then the game might end around the 19 minute mark so three quarters of your game are just suffering and hate and anger and it's like three to four minutes of joy and of course there's an imbalance then in in uh, yeah feeling pleasure in this game is that something you agree with yeah 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 like kind of yeah it it reminds me of uh i think it was the mad max trader it's like my name is max my life is suffering. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally see that from you, just queuing with human. Oh, my life is suffering, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Wait, I hear... Do you hear some alerts? No. Is it on me? I don't hear anything. Dude, oh my... What? There's voice chat on Binet Launcher. Some guy's trying to call me. What? <laughs> I was like, what the... <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yeah, it's another um, recording. All good. Yeah, okay. Oof. <laughs> this is so weird. Um... Yeah, like human is like it's it's placed totally different than it used to in that a lot of the units and heroes have changed and it's so weird, right? Rafi? Like it feels like we're in a place where so many people are unhappy with balance. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. And I think maybe like we focus too much on the negatives compared to positives, but like is the game if you ask someone, is the game worse than it was uh in like I don't know, three years ago or something? Or four years or five years ago, what do you think they would say? I feel like most people they would have to think for a while to really think of like what some matchups used to be. Because sometimes I feel like Human Against Sunday is much worse now. But then I watched an old vod of like oh, man. twelve towers per base. Yeah, it was and horrible. then like uh, eight destroyers. And I'm like, okay, I'm not sure that Undead Against Human is worse now uh, in terms of enjoyments. But in terms of balance, is it worse? Like you know, it's like you always have to scale like both. And yeah, like, I've, I don't know. There's some matchups I have a big problem with. I try to, like, uh, look at it from as unbiased perspective daily. Like, I watch other people playing how well they're doing and stuff. But at the end of the day, I always come back to, I feel like all matchups are too difficult right now for human. And it's because of the sum of bu- uh, buff and nerfs that were added into the game. And I don't think that my opinion is, like, you know, the ultimate unbiased opinion i'm 100 percent right but it's just like my personal feeling that i get which a lot of people don't respect like i always hear comments like you know you're a big influencer of the scene you shouldn't whine this much and stuff like i don't think maybe it's my mistake but i don't think of myself as, as like this big influencer of the scene 
who needs to be like a, a role model and that, that needs to never whine. I think like for me, it's important to say, to express what I'm feeling. And if I feel like the game is unfair, I'll just keep talking about it, you know, like. Well, I think you are at least one of the top four influences of the scene. Uh, maybe even top three. I don't know how relevant Grubby is at the moment because he's playing a lot of other stuff and it's not fully dedicated to it anymore, obviously. Uh, but yeah, there's me, Remo, you, and who else? Like, who has a media presence at all? Who has a uh, well-run Twitter account, for example? Or, I don't know. I feel like uh, you really underestimate your impact of the community. Like, as also, when it comes to memes, like not only the negative uh, side of like balance and and whining, but also if you don't copy the diaspel, do you think that that would go across uh, all the discords and all the twitches? I don't think so. Yeah, but then it's like, uh, yeah, I didn't mean it like that. I didn't mean that I have no influence, but I mean like I'm also at the end of the day, I'm a regular person so to ah, speak like, yeah. i'm just another human being like, ah okay 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 now i get you yeah for yeah. sure we all have emotions and especially i have the luxury to never stream my games um but i would be tilted as well like it's a whole different thing if you're just a commentator and watch from like third person or if you're super invested into your own games of course a player streamer shows more emotions and oftentimes also unreasonable emotions because that's how emotions are at the end of the day um compared to a commentator yeah actually i, I saw that uh, remo stopped saying gg which i found pretty funny because yeah. like on one hand I don't, I don't care if people say gg myself but i remember that when i started playing again like years ago and i was playing occasionally on back to warcraft and i wouldn't say gg there was always a few <laughs> <laughs> from you guys no gg like back then now i think you guys mostly ignore it but back then you were always like no gg huh no gg even though <laughs> i never really said it and then now remo every single game that he loses he doesn't change it say ah. GG, so he's kind of embraced it and that's also a topic where like i see a lot of people talking about it they're like just say gg it's postmanship it doesn't cost you anything yeah but i on the other hand i'm like I don't think it's that important. You know, like if you play a lot of games, like maybe you just don't care. It doesn't mean much. A lot of people say GG at the end of every game that they lose. And next to it, they're complete pieces of shit, like around everything. <laughs> so for me, it kind of lost It kind of lost its meaning a while back and it doesn't matter so much. But yes, different people will have different opinions on sportsmanship. I heard, uh, I think it was Grubby tell the story of how if his neighbor said hi to him, he would look at him and say hi as well. He wouldn't just ignore him. So if somebody says GLHF to you, you kind of have to say GLHF back. I don't like typing in the start of games. Like every time that I do it in the next three seconds, I'm like, I shouldn't have done that because oh. it always messes up my build order somehow. Oh, so I feel you so much. Uh, like I use the hotkeys for the inventory and they are, I think one of the keys is on G. So I have to press shift F4 to enable normal typing and then I, sh I write GGHF or something and then I have to shift F4 back to get the hotkeys yeah, yeah. back. Like, ah, oh, dude, I know it's like kind of kind of nice to do it, but maybe I have to just revamp my hotkeys or something. Um, I, I think it's a very different thing if that happens on ladder or if it's like a big tournament, for example, like, I don't know, Dreamhack quarterfinal or something, and you don't type GG. That's that's a little. You should do it there on the big stage for for a ladder stream when you grind eight hours and play forty games a day. I can feel that it loses its relevance for sure. 
Yeah. I think in tournaments, usually I do it, but these days I'm like really tilted at the game. Like yesterday we played the Walker 3 in Full League Finals and then... Oh, yeah. I had to win 2-0 against Bizarre, then I won game one, like very, very hard. And then game two, we made headhunters and then I couldn't kill anything. And I was just like, this, this game is so fucking dumb. So like I even whined at the end of the game and then I left and I'm like, this is a moment where I just, I cannot say GG because I feel like this win, you know, it's almost like voids. It means nothing. Like, yes, you played well and you won, but this current patch where headhunters were like way over buffed. To me, like those wins don't even feel like really, it's almost like we're living in a nightmare, you know, like, so on one hand, it makes me feel bad to take away from it. But at the same time, it's like, it's not his fault either. Like, I don't blame him for playing what's best in the game, right? Yeah. But I'm just so freaking disappointed that Blizzard allows this patch after patch to happen. Because a while back, it was the Keeper patch, yeah. which back then I complained about. And I was told, no, like, you shouldn't complain, just play better. Like, look at this human one, one series, blah, blah, blah. And like, this happens every patch. And then it happened with the Crypt Lords. Yeah. And now we're in the head enter patch, and it's like, what's next? You know, like, I just well, want to play a fair game. I don't want you to overbuff Rifle Caster and then I'm beating everybody <laughs> next patch with Rifle Caster. I want the game to be as close as fair to possible. And right now, it feels to me like we're very far from that. So that's what infuriates me. I'm not angry per se at my opponents, but more so at the game. But to contradict that argument that, that we are far away from, from a good balance state, we have so many tournaments recently where all four races are represented in the top four. That happened at W3 Champions, at AWL, at Yule Cup, in the winner bracket of TP Cup, and now at Smile Cup as well. That's like five tournaments in a row. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's a very good thing. But when I look at tournaments, you need to win five series to win a tournament. So it's really not that big a streak. And like to make it to the, you know, the quarter is the same thing. Like sometimes you need to win two series, sometimes mm -hmm. three. So I don't see it as something that means that much. I mean, yes, we're in a state of the game where there is not one race that's missing from every top eight or every top four, <laughs> which is good. We've been there. We've been there. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that the balance overall is like close to being very good. Like I still feel like it, the game has a long way and stuff before uh, before it finally reaches a place where we're gonna be close to like matchups being somewhat even. And by the way, like I was just thinking about it, like late now thoughts like last night. How impossible is it to balance Walker Free? Like seriously, yeah. who who would be the best to do that job? There is literally no person. What would be the best possible patch? That could happen that would like fix a lot of things there is no good answer to that like everybody yeah. would just disagree with one another so it's just an impossible job but i just wish that they tried more you know like not a patch exactly. every year or something like before that we got one what every six nine months now it's yeah. been 11 months since the last one and there is no sign of a next patch and it sucks because walker 3 as a community we love the game and like we watch it and we stream it or you know like there's a lot of passionate people and now like we have no news about our game like what are we supposed to do you know it just sucks very true i think you posted about it that it's been so long since the patch i was actually shocked i did not think that it's been so long we had a mini patch i think in april well, there was actually a pretty big one. That was the one uh, with the speed scroll changes, with the bear changes. There was one three to ten. So that was in April. So it's been five months or something. Pretty much exactly five months. Well, let me see. 
looking at Liquipedia right now. Uh, April 14th. That was pretty much prior to DreamHack. No, right after the DreamHack regional finals or something. Which one you say? Uh, 1.32.10. Wait, it says that's the... That's the patch we're playing on, right? So, yeah, th that was the patch with the th uh, sundering blades on night. No, it wasn't. Do you see those changes under that patch? I don't see that. Yeah, here on Liquipedia. Wait, uh, where are you? There are you. Are you looking at Battle.net? Because those patch note threads are horrible. I don't no, know. No, no, I'm looking at Liquipedia also. Okay. Oh. When I clicked it, it showed me something different at first. You're being lied to by Liquipedia. Yeah. <laughs> so that was April then. It's still it's still a long time, but it's not oh, okay. that when I looked bad. Yesterday, I clicked on latest patch and it brought me to the other one. Ah. That should be addressed. Okay, so it hasn't been that long then. It's still so a long time. And you are 100% right. Like, it's such a hard thing to balance this game. But for that, yeah. we need more trial and error then. Like, if there's no clear way, you have to experiment a little more. And I think there's a lot of people willing to give feedback, as every time there's a PTR, I think the feedback, uh, there's a lot of feedback. Well, wait, wait, wait. You mean there's a lot of replies to the thread from people that haven't played the patch? Because that's not... I wouldn't call that feedback. Well... Um, there are always videos from you and uh, Thorzane and Starshape. There's, of course, the big uh, Remo feedbacks. And a lot of people are giving some thoughts. Of course, you have the Prizracks of the scene as well, who just go fully degen on these threads. But I think... Yeah, but, like, nobody, who plays on the PTR? Nobody, right? Nobody. No, no, no. So everybody is giving their thoughts on something that they haven't even played. That's part of the problem. Like, it's True. not a... The PTR is something where if it wasn't there, I'd probably be thinking they should have a PTR, but now it's there and it's like nobody ever does anything on it. So in the past, at times, I have tried to like help out with that and I organize matches on the PTR. The problem is that if you don't put a prize, people don't try hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, oh, like, yeah. We casted it together, right? And the first yeah, yeah, series yeah. already was such a clown fiesta. Yeah, but then, like, even if you put a prize, people split it and then they don't even, like, really try hard. There is also some players that think that if they do too well, their race, <laughs> the changes might get reversed. <laughs> so it's, like, very, very hard to actually organize, like, meaningful matches like this. And the PTR, I think, it was only US West or something. So for yeah. Europeans, it wasn't Horrible. even really playable. So it's, like, nobody wants to play with, like, 200 MS+. plus. So it's just maybe a failed thing overall where unfortunately it doesn't help that much to have a ptr so what we go off is just a bunch of notes which nobody understands the game enough and i mean nobody literally nobody in the world to just read this and understand the true meaning of all of these changes in fact almost everyone is entirely wrong even Usually th and infi who are arguably the best random players in the world yeah yeah exactly and like balance is like such a topic also where like it's so hard to get it right. Like a lot of people, they've, you know, heard or watched that happy thing where like he complained about so many units and stuff and said that Undead needs a bunch of buffs. It's like, yeah. it's really weird to hear him say that, but it's part of what I explained uh, in the past where if you're a high level player, 
you've always focused on what you can do better, but you also see what beats you. And when you face something that beats you, you always think like, why don't everybody do this? Because then they would just beat me every game because, you know, it's like so hard to counter. Like it just hard counters me. Like what if people could read your mind, you know, like they, they I'm pretty sure they'd counter you pretty well because then they <laughs> would know really? your biggest fears in game. But you could do the like, same to them. Yeah, but the thing is, you can't read somebody's mind technically, right? So it's just like a flawed way of, of thinking. And I feel like for Happy, even he has that, where he plays against Foggy, he wins like, what, 90% of the time or something mm -hmm. absurd. Mm -hmm. But he probably looks at the game that he loses and he's like, what could I have done better? Like maybe this or this, but overall, if he does really well, if he fixes this couple of mistakes, I'm still going to lose every time. And then he still goes on and winning 90% of those games. Lowlight is the same. Like he's wins about human for the longest time, yet you very rarely see him lose against human in tournaments. Like he does really, really well. So it's like this weird thing. I had that also when I was a pro player where like I was always whining about Elf, like from 2004 to like 2008 for my whole career. And then if you look at my <laughs> versus Elf in tournament, I literally, I'm, I'm one of the guys that beat Moon the most in it's tournaments. Good, I beat yeah. Soju, like I beat almost everyone all the time, but it's just, I only remember that in my losses, I was always looking at those games and I was like, holy shit, if I heard you play, play like this, I would lose every time. Maybe that's where you're getting a lot of uh, a lot of success from. Like if you're so obsessed with this matchup that you put so much thought on it because you hate it so much, like g gaining energy from just purely hating on the race. <laughs> I can see that. Let hate fuel you yeah. and uh, <laughs> make you be better. Exactly. I don't know about that. I just think like it's uh, almost like a normal thing for a lot of pro players to think like that. There is a lot of like thinkings of way of thinking about the game and matchups that will happen to you uh, when you play the game a lot. I would say it's probably more, it happens more to you when you play the game a lot. And I don't know at what levels it would be necessarily, but I feel like at high level it's like that a lot. Like, uh, for example, if you really struggle in the matchup, you could play the like uh, the race that you struggle against, and then you learn a lot. So mm -hmm. I know that a lot of RTS players they've experienced that they've thought, "Oh my god, like I cannot beat this race." So then it's like you played for a while, and you're like, "Oh, I didn't realize that." You know, like I didn't realize that at all that this part of the game was like this, and like you can actually like you know maybe go. Like I always thought that acolytes are like unattackable, and then like I see some games these days. So I played sometimes uh, undead like oh, uh, as random. And then I was like, okay, maybe like there's a few timings here and there where you can actually go for them and stuff. So it, it just improves your overall knowledge of the game at times to uh, explore through the other races uh, a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty much what a lot of Night Elves are doing now against Undead, right? I think Foggy started it uh, to just use the Keeper and go for Ghouls and Acolytes. And uh, that seems very, very successful because obviously if you lose one of your worker units uh it fucks with all the timing so everything is delayed and foggy's uh style against undead heavily relies on getting to the late game and getting to the big army and tier three or the critical mass of uh, of dryad so he found a very easy to execute and simple way of helping with these timings and that's that's something i really liked in the past couple of weeks yeah, yeah. I, it still feels like the game is evolving a lot. Uh, yeah. These days, I'm so impressed with Chimiko and uh, Holy Sock. shit, dude, yeah. And their kiting, their kiting is out of this world. Like, they will literally, there is so many fights where everybody in the world, literally everybody in the world, except them two, would just stand there and trade. And they're like, no, I'm going to engage, <laughs> slow everything, pull back, re-engage, pull back, re-engage. And they do this in particular 
Like, pay very close, close attention to when they play against Orc and Elf. Yeah. It's so freaking masterful. I've been super impressed with them. And it hadn't been a while that I had uh, had been this impressed with something. Same for me. And especially in these two matchups, there's, I think, uh, one good example by, by Chemico for both of the matchups. One was from one ESL Cup, I think. Chemico was up against Lin in the semifinals and it didn't really look good for him. But the execution and the fight was just so gorgeous. I've not seen this in, in months from a human player. So well executed, so many cool dodges and focus fires and everything was just working out. And then there was a series by Chemico as well on Concealed Hill. So, you know the struggle. You want to expand on Concealed Hill and it's really, really hard to do against the Keeper, right? Yeah. Um, and he crept most of the spot, then pulled the Militia back, kind of walled them into the base. So the Keeper was at his creep spot, but there was nothing to attack. Then he tried to get into Chemico's base, but there was nothing to attack really either. That was just... Three minutes of the early game, so well thought out. Every move mattered. Every move was working out so perfectly. And Chemico is, I think, the big influencer of the human race at the moment. Yeah, for sure. He's like maybe the first one, but I think Sock is not too far behind. It seems like there is some tournaments where one of them outperforms the other and then it yeah. goes back and forth. And yeah. like right now, a Smile Cup is happening and they actually met each other, unfortunately, in quarterfinals. So one of them had to be eliminated. But yeah, Chemico made it to the finals here. And uh, he's, he's playing pretty impressive. Actually, right now, they are, he's playing the finals against Lola. It's 1-1, so I'm kind of following that at the same time. But uh, <laughs> he's been playing amazing and uh, putting in the, the hard work. And that's one of the things where... You know, you mentioned I posted the earnings and stuff uh, so far this year and like humans trailing behind. Human has less than half the earnings of Night Elf. But to see Chemico play as well as he's playing right now, I'm really curious of whether he's going to be able to kind of close that gap. Like obviously we're nearing the end of the year now. And also it kind of gives me hope because on one hand, like I see that it kind of makes me depressed in a way because it's a, in my opinion, it's a big deal, right? If one race has 70k, and the other one is like 144k. <laughs> really shows that like this year, Night Elf outperformed humans super hard. Uh, but I, I, at the same time, I see how Chemico's playing and he's, he's really pushing the potential of human right now, which is what was needed and something that's been talked about a lot recently because every time I bring the earnings, I always hear, you know, Infi is not playing anymore. Like he would have had a lot of earnings for human and stuff. But the thing is, it shouldn't be like that forever, right? For the next five years, human is not particularly supposed to be like last in earnings with half the earnings of elf. There is supposed to be eventually a human that rises to that spot of like most influential human and best one. And it's supposed to take time. And it feels like we're getting there now already with Chemico kind of taking that spot of like really good human that's somewhat innovating, that's showing good things and uh, kind of showing us how to play the race at the, at the highest level, right? Because if you think about the old days, right? Like say like when Sky retired, it's not like human was like underperforming forever and like you had to wait and stuff. Like eventually somebody takes his place, whether it's like a T, uh, TH and Infi or somebody else, yeah. right? That's how it works. You can't like for so many years be like, okay, well, this guy retired. This race is never going to perform again. Yeah, uh, it's definitely noticeable that Infi and TH are not playing anymore. There's not the superstar that we got for pretty much all the other races. Like we got Lin, uh, of course, for Orc. We got happy and one to zero for undead uh we got moon and a couple of other night elves at the moment 
doing really well. And Tomiko and Sock, they are up there. They do get some tier 2 wins, but they really lack consistency, I think. Um, they have very, very high peaks, but then they could be eliminated round of 16 the next week. Um, so that's that's certainly what's lacking. Uh, for these prize money earning thingies, I think it helped Night Elf a lot that they got one, uh, like rank one and two at WGL in summer. That was a lot of prize money. And the rest of the tier one tournaments are kind of evenly distributed. We had two Orc wins. We had an Undead win. Um, it's, it's okay, I guess. But yeah, that that is certainly lacking for human. Like this one, like this 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 one player who can, who's on the level of the moons and the lins. But that's so easy to say and so hard to do. Yeah, I always like, feel like prize money earnings are flawed in a way that if there's a tournament with like one tournament with a super big prize pool, that result weighs so much on the statistics. Yeah, it's true, but uh, there is still some statements that can be made from it, right? Like in uh, 2020, human had the highest earnings, mostly off of the back of uh, Infi mm -hmm. winning two WGLs. If you remove those two WGLs, human is like massively underperforming, by the way. And Infi was also playing a lot of tournaments that year that he didn't do very well in necessarily. So yeah. you have to take the whole data and kind of like, you know, at the end of the day, accept it. Like, uh, But a lot of people bring different points. Like, for example... Every time you talk about earnings, you know, like uh, the undeads, they're very quick to say, oh, but we're third. We can't even do better than Orc and Elf. Well, you're third, but like not that <laughs> far behind them, you know, like and it's a lot like of people say like, like this one guy, he replied to my tweets. Let me find it. I thought that was pretty funny. This one guy replied, okay, the, the earnings is 146,000 for Elf this year, uh, 124 for Orc and 117 for Undead, 69k mm -hmm. for Human. So this guy replied to my tweet and he said, sad time to be undead. I think if you remove happy, the price would be $46.3. So I was like, <laughs> I don't even think that happy was the, the biggest contributor. I think it was, it was 120. So I checked Probably. the numbers. Happy won 21K this year. So if you remove him, you still have 96K for undead, which is still 26,000 ahead of human without happy. So it's like, what are you talking about? And yet a lot of people still try to present that point that he's just happy carrying undead and like, you know, it's only him and stuff. Like, yeah, the, while I agree he's the best one, it's not that simple, right? The thing with Undead is that, like, Happy is arguably the best, but he doesn't play too many high prize money tournaments. Like, what is there really? There's Dreamhack, but that has a yeah. very flat prize pool dis dis distribution, so he wins, like, 2k from a Dreamhack or something, a little more. Um, same goes for War 3 Champions, also very flat prize pool dis distribution. And then he grinds ESL Cups, and that's basically it for happy while one to zero is grinding a lot of these high stakes tier two tournaments in asia like last week we had a tp cup with eleven thousand dollars and they are super top heavy with like half of the prize pool or more for the winner uh now we got smile cup with 16k so one to zero by grinding all these two uh, two tournaments and consistently making top two or top four yeah. He's he is the big prize pool contributor while not being the best undead. Yeah, like I feel like this would be like its own topic almost, and we probably could talk about this for hours. Oh, but yeah. Happy, in my opinion, definitely should be playing this tournament. It's such a waste that is not. On one hand, yeah. I I kind of agree that you know it's very frustrating to play with ping and stuff. But the thing is, he was still 
perform pretty well. Like if you look at Foggy and stuff, it's just he doesn't want to put it put himself through this. And I have I have some similar feelings about some things, right? Like I don't play a lot of tournaments, and that's also due to the fact that you know I've, I've competed in a decade probably around between Warcraft 3 and Starcraft 2. And I don't really have the need anymore to put myself in this mindset of like, you know, I have to be the absolute best. I practice 20, like, because for me, it's almost like unhealthy, you know, like I cannot do anything else. I don't want to work out ever. I don't want to go outside. I only want to play video games to try to be the best that I can be. And, uh, you know, I enjoy going outside. I enjoy uh, occasionally working out or at least what it does and what it means to me. And, uh, in this case, for Happy, I don't know if he got tired of like competing with those like the highest level people and if he's just content dominating Europe. But for now, that's what he's chosen to do. But I do feel like it's wasted potential because he would do some real damage in this. He could earn himself some prize money and apparently money is pretty important to him. So it makes me sad. But at the same time, there is kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel where we might finally be able to see some offline events. Oh, yeah. Hmm, maybe I'm naive to think so, but I think that would be amazing. And imagine the hype. After like for three years or two years, we haven't seen these matchups and now we start seeing them again. Yeah, it's going to be the end of the year for sure, at least. Uh, I think the big issue with Happy is that a couple of Chinese companies didn't pay him. So I am 99% sure that it wasn't WGL uh, because he said like 5k is missing or something. And WGL yeah. was, of course, a lot more. So it, it kind of adds up that it's the Doyu tournaments. And getting prize money from China is not impossible, or, or getting paid from China is not impossible, but it's sometimes pretty hard to do, especially... I don't really know how uh, complicated it is to send money from China to Russia, but a lot of players have a proxy in between uh, that's helping out. And maybe Happy never had this... this uh, proxy person this this friend who's helping him out and then i can totally see that it leads to a lot of controversy and complications and maybe he had it and that guy asked who was the opponent in his chat <laughs> <laughs> it got bad yeah for sure yeah i can i can totally see that uh chinese tournament organizers burned bridges with happy i can totally see on the other side that happy burned a couple of bridges with people who uh might have been in a position to help him with that so yeah, I don't think it's too much about Ping. He has won tournaments before on Chinese servers and for a good chunk of money would probably do that. Yeah, I just wish there would be an easy solution uh, for that. But then the end of the year wouldn't be as hype as it is now. So just, just wait a year, Happy, or a couple of months. Well, you say for sure, but I feel like nothing's for sure right now. Like, I don't know if I'm as optimistic as you about the finals happening offline. Personally, oh, so I am very sure. Yeah. Hmm. And also, like, who'd happy necessarily go? Because it feels like he's not that comfortable with traveling necessarily, even though he'll he'll say otherwise. I don't know. I've been disappointed so many times that it's you know it's almost like love. I'm like I don't want to put any faith into that. It's like just whatever happens happens, but I have no faith in anything now. It's probably for the best, so you so you can't go dis. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't be disappointed. Yeah, uh, with a lot of things, I have the same feeling. But man, this has to happen somehow. I mean, uh, Lan is coming back for CS:GO and StarCraft, right? By ESL and DreamHack. Uh, they did announce something. Yeah, yeah, I think they're gonna like a couple things want to try. There is also TI, right? Supposedly happening in Bucharest. Oh yeah, but uh, Hungary is very liberal with everything revolving COVID. 
Did you watch the Euro? Like the Hungary stadiums were packed even in June. Well, I thought it's in Bucharest. That's Romania, right? Not Hungary. Oh, isn't it Budapest? Oh, is, uh, maybe you changed. I, don't uh, know. I always honest, confuse I, the two, man. Why do these two capitals sound so similar? It's the worst. Oh, that's... <laughs> Bucharest, Budapest, there's a lot of similar yeah, yeah. stuff in yeah. there. No, I think yeah, it would be nice to have like some uh, offline. I mean, like we're seeing football games that have a lot of people there and stuff. But yeah. obviously, like you need to be careful. And like, I don't know if we should get into the vaccine talk, right? But uh, there is ways for... Uh, for events, right, to make sure that they are as safe as possible, they shouldn't overdo it, they shouldn't consider it like it's, you know, it's pre-COVID and like just jam-pack something together yeah. with no securities. And actually, like Saturday, there is um, the experience I'm ring in Cologne, right? And like spectators are allowed, but yeah, if you want to go there, then you need to show that you did a test or you need to be fully vaccinated. And mm -hmm. also, I think inside of the venue, you're going to have to wear masks and stuff. So that's that's a good example of the way it should be done, in my opinion, and obviously, like, people need to be responsible. If you have symptoms, like, maybe, like, don't go and, uh, like, get it checked out, you know? Like, don't don't go there and, like, try and shake everybody's hand. Maybe that might be a good idea. Yeah. Um, you would think most most people do that by now, but hey, there's, there's always some bad apples. But yeah, Experion, that's something I wanted to talk about if you still have a little bit of time. Uh, last time we talked about Experion on this podcast... Um, there wasn't the, the nicest uh, incident there, I guess. There was a little bit of stuff between you and Enter, but you're heavily involved with this Experion event. So give us a little recap. What happened between Experion 1 and this stuff that's happening right now? Ente just reached out to me about doing tournaments together. So that was already my stance during the last one that he was doing, is that if he had ever reached out and like asked me to help promote it and stuff, I would have been down for it. So yeah, he reached out and said like, let's uh yeah let's work together like uh, we, with the tournament and stuff like would you be interested in casting uh for for the event and i was like yeah sure let's do it so yeah i'm gonna be casting this and uh if he has events in the future like i'm also interested in casting that like i, I cast the qualifier which was last saturday and now i'm gonna cast the events which is this entire saturday i believe and we'll have uh I'm never really good at remembering all specifics, but we'll have around, what, like, what 12, 14 players or something? Yeah, man. Um, will you be casting from home or from the Experion? From the Experion, yeah. Okay. I'm a little jealous of you because spending time with Armin is always great. Hippo is coming from Manchester to Cologne to play this event, if everything is working out this time. And you got to meet the legendary Kevin Schwem in real life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be fun. Um, why, why can't you come? Is it because it's just one day? or uh, Because it's DreamHack close qualifiers, so I got to oh, cast yeah, that right. at the same time. That's true. Yeah, otherwise, I would, if it would have been next weekend, I would be down for sure. Wait, it's almost week? like a good problem to have that there is too many tournaments. Dude, there's so many tournaments. There's things going crazy in China with two five-digit tournaments back-to-back. -to -back. And here in the Western scene, we got, like, the Experion going on. We had the Pantheon. We had Warcraft 3 in full league. We have all the cups, of course. That's a lot of Warcraft recently. Yeah, that, that's a good thing. Like, ideally, you don't want it to get to a place. Like, I remember when when StarCraft was really big or, like, when Counter-Strike started getting really big again. Like, I remember there were some tournaments that had, like, hundreds of thousands of viewers. Then suddenly you can tell... You can almost feel it. 
every tournament circuit out there is like, we're going to do a CSGO tournament because yeah. it has hundreds of thousands of viewers. And then it's like, you get this crazy saturation of matches that at the end of the day, like at this point, almost mean nothing because it's like, you're seeing the same matches every single day. It's like a continuous circuit that never has any ends. So instead of getting hyped for a match for a while and then watching it, you're just seeing the same matches every day. So that was almost like not a very positive, even though for the players, I'm sure it's great. They had a lot of tournaments. They could make a bunch of money. Uh, I don't feel like we're quite there for Warcraft 3. I mean, obviously, it's still a very niche game, even though you're seeing a lot of the same players. I mean, obviously, they are the best, so that's going to happen a lot. Hey, it does feel like there's a lot of tournaments. I don't think Warcraft people mind much, though, right? No. Like, I'm happy to see Chemi, Light, Boon, like all these guys compete uh, every week, personally. Yeah, I think uh, it would be nice if some tournaments would stand out a little more because it feels like it's a lot of the same. Uh, but yeah. it's also hard to do because if you do a two and two, four and four, or a clan league tournament, then people are not that invested. If you do a random tournament, then you, like with random races or heroes or something, you kind of devalue your own tournament. Uh, it's it's really really tricky how to make your your tournament stand out without investing much money into like production or something. We need more team leagues, maybe. Like uh, WC3L was one of the hypest things in all of Warcraft 3. I'm so sad that there isn't one around. Like, imagine the WC3L now with like all the good players. Like, there's fan favorites. There's some of the best. Like, imagine you had like Happy, uh, Foggy, Hawk, all these guys, like Moon and stuff in like one single league. Obviously, with Ping, it would be hard to play it, but we did it back in the day. So, oh, yeah. Even worse on G Arena and whatever. Yeah. It's a lot less accepted now, though to play with this kind of ping. I feel like a lot of Europeans, they would not want to play on Netties. And a lot of players that play on Netties, they might not want to play on like some of the European hosts. So it's, it would be hard. But if you make something that's hype, people will want to play it regardless. And like a, a big team league that gets a lot of hype, it feels like it's usually a, a very important part of an ecosystem. I think like a lot of, remember, a lot of people remember fondly those WC3L times and like oh, yeah. how fun it was to follow those clan wars and stuff. Oh, that was, that was golden times but i don't think like would people invest their time to learn who's playing for what team we had that during wgtl where the league was running for like six to eight weeks or something or even longer and even during the finals people still didn't know who was playing for rogue warriors or ell even though that's the abbreviation for the players it's because these weren't real teams. They were just like random made-up names just for this tournament because well, there, is no, there is no continuous team. LP Club was a team them. for a long time. Rogue Warriors were a team for a long time. Yeah, yeah I know. But like, I mean, what do you call a long time? Like one year, two years, you know, like... Two years, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, if you follow a lot of the solo league, I think Warcraft 3, there is hardcore fans, but there is also a lot of casuals that tune yeah. in here and there. Uh, that enjoy watching Warcraft 3 without watching it 24-7. You know, they're not every yeah. day on Happy, Hawk, Stream, Foggy and stuff. So they might not be aware of like everything that's going on. Back then, when WC3 was super active, it's hard to have exact estimates, right? But the game was probably way bigger than now in terms of like player base and people watching it and playing it, I would assume at least. So there was more hardcore people and it was like easier to follow. You just had one main website, which not only had all results updated in real time, but also replays. Uh, so it made it easier. You just had like 80 teams to follow. It's like, you know, like in football, like these days, football fans, they know like every player of every team in their league, if <laughs> yeah, they're like the big fans. So it's kind of like that. It was kind of like that back then. 
yeah, now, you know, like a lot of the people that watch Warcraft 3 casually, they're like grown up that have like a job and stuff. So they'll watch a little bit here and there, but they're not necessarily like super hardcore about following everything. So maybe, maybe they won't know as much, but if there was like one league that was going on with multiple seasons, like maybe two seasons a year, a good prize money and that could gather some hype and have some of the world's best players, I do think it would be very good for the game. Something like, uh, oh, they have it in StarCraft, don't they? Um... Wardy is casting it all the time. Yeah, yeah. What's it but called? The, I don't remember, but he did a lot of different versions of it, right? There was a... Yeah, the, he always, like... Wardy keeps it very interesting. Like, he always changes formats and stuff. There was also the War Chest Team League in... in uh, that Starcraft. was super dope. That I would yeah. love that. Like, a couple of casters come together from all the different regions, and we have a pool of players, and we do a draft, and then we have a Team League of, like eight casters or personalities and then you cast your own clan wars super biased of course that yeah. would be that would be super fun but also kind of kind of hard to organize but not impossible yeah, with the ping it's hard and i feel like also i don't know if in Warcraft 3 the players are necessarily as friendly with one another and with the people <laughs> that would be the captains and stuff like yeah uh, i mean that's, that's... Primo Rimo is on a team the... and he's like, yeah, happy you're going out next. And then happy's like, shut up. You don't no, know anything. Move, move aside. Like, it's, it's going to be somebody else. No, no, it's an exaggerated version. But uh... Like Charizard in uh, Pokemon who's not listening to Ash. That, that would be happy to Remo probably. But hey, that's part of the draft, right? You could either go for the best players that you know are sometimes a little bit of a diva. Or you go for Team Wholesome with like, I don't know, Hippo, Armin and Lawlight or something. Probably yeah. not. Too successful, but yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know if they would win the tournament, but uh, you would have more fun, most likely. Yeah, That's on, for on sure. Because these guys are really nice. <laughs> oh my All god, right. wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I, I need to reply to someone because, like, Chemiko was winning against Lowlight on Concilian, and this guy wrote in the chat of Back to Warcraft, where is Todd? Is he watching this game? <laughs> and then Chemiko just lost. So, hi, yes. I'm watching and enjoying the game. You. <laughs> <laughs> how long was this game jesus it felt like yeah. they played throughout this this entire podcast recording yeah they played for a long time sick no, no it is two and one now match points my man um i guess we are crossing the one hour mark we had a lot more topics but we have to do like a follow-up or something we don't want to have it uh too much longer than one hour and we have some patreon q a question thingies here toxy very active with this and it's an interesting question i don't know if we have too many answers for this uh because we can't look into the f uh, future we don't have the crystal balls Toxie's asking, when will we know if ESL continues to support the game in the next year? What do you think the scene will look like if ESL does not continue? And yeah, that, that are the first two questions here. The, the answer is, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> I was asking yeah. for it, but I didn't get an answer, of course. Uh, maybe some budgets are not set in stone yet. I really don't know. I think they announced... When did they announce the 2021 season? Pretty well, late. I, I don't know when they did, but I can tell you that in esports, everything is last minute. Yeah. Like the last time I got asked to go to Sweden to cast the StarCraft season finals, it was one week before. So like a, <laughs> a very short time. So everything is usually last minute. It will be the same. So I think they would probably wait until early next year and then announce it. Unless they can somehow do it like long in advance. But yeah, it's 
it's so complicated. Like yeah. on one hand, I'm somebody that looks at it and I'm like, I wish they would announce stuff in advance, but then I've also been on the other side and it's like so complicated for them because they're always sorting through stuff. It's almost like trying to release, you know, like a video game or a movie where it's like, you would love to be able to do it as soon as you can, but then you all keep running into problems with like that you have to fix last second, some stuff that wasn't necessarily uh, like the way you wanted it to. And then they also need to communicate a lot with like the, the game developer usually and like figure out stuff. So yeah, yeah I, th I would guess if they, if they announce something, it'd be early next year. But uh, personally, I'm not super optimistic that they will because of the numbers. Like, I don't think necessarily the numbers have been as big for Warcraft as, as it has been for Starcraft, but I don't really know the side of like how much budget goes into a full season and how much they were expecting and stuff. Obviously, when they did the circuits for Warcraft 3, it was because Reforge was announced and they were expecting big things out of Reforge, which we certainly did not get, unfortunately. Well, we got big disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> That's that we got. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not too sure either. Um, I'm pretty similar to you, where I always try to be pessimistic about stuff and then be positively surprised if that's not the case, and I'm not too disappointed if uh, my estimation comes true. There's a couple of positives in, especially viewership, like the thirteen thousand that we had for the finals in Asia were really good. And also without the, the Twitch front page, uh, the Euro finals were really good because it was a super hype final. So when they only go from viewership, they could they see that there's clearly interest and they see that it's not too expensive to produce in comparison to flying uh, six to seven casters to a studio in Sweden and run a studio in Sweden. I mean, we're all casting from home and I'm yeah. doing this... Uh, on on my own pretty much so that well i thought you charged 50 g's for that though <laughs> i wish um so yeah that that is definitely cheaper so is that uh ratio good enough for them um i mean there are sponsors like coinbase that might help out but of course we have no idea what they pay and yeah. if they want to continue it in 2022. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely, absolutely no clue. But what do you think the scene will look like if ESL does not continue? And that is dark. Yeah, that would suck, obviously. Like, uh, ESL Pro Tour is, like, one of the main things that we get to follow uh, throughout the year. Yeah. That would be pretty bad. Especially, like, like you said, it's online, so it's, like, very minimal cost compared to if there was offline events. For, for them, right? Because, okay, it is, they don't use a full production. It's actually the, the one-man army of uh, Neo doing like the, all the production stuff. So yeah, I really don't know. It's, I really hope that, you know, there is another one. But yeah, it's kind of like I explained earlier. I try not to be uh, overly optimistic for things as to not get disappointed, which has happened a lot uh, since Reforged came out. <laughs> well, you got to work with us, which is not too bad, I guess. Um... If, I, by the way, I don't think it would be that bad in that there's still a, a good amount of tournaments. I'm sure like uh, there is always going to be like some Saturday or Sunday Cup, right? Even if like ESL yeah. uh, Open Cup goes away, I'm pretty sure somebody would like find a way to have a new one. And then you guys, like they, you always find that Back to Warcraft a way to like, you know, cast everything that you can, have tournaments and stuff. So 
it's not like it would be radio silence from one day to another. Like, you yeah. know, like uh, Warcraft got EMP'd and then suddenly we don't have anything going on. No, there'll still be like <laughs> tournaments and stuff. But obviously ESL Pro Tour is a big part of the entertainment that we get uh, year long. Yeah, I remember when ESL decided to discontinue WC3L. Uh, that was a big blow, just just as a sign that a big player in the tournament scene is just not supporting this game anymore. And then what will be the ripple effect in China? Will WGL dis discontinue as well? Um, and if WGL discontinues, is there still the Smile Cups and the TP Cups? But on the positive side, we have something that we didn't have before, and that is uh, streamers or like companies behind the game, like TH, Infi, and Fly are working together. We here have, of course, the Back to Warcraft team. We got War 3 Champions to a degree. We got you guys. Um, there will be stuff, but if ESL discontinues, it would be really bad. Um, hopefully, we don't have to talk it anytime soon. Why did no one start a European Weekly League? It's such a no-brainer to fuse ESL Germany and the DreamHack concepts. I know the decision is sadly not on you guys. Pretty sure you wouldn't even cast ESL Meisterschaft in Germany if you were given the choice. True. Um, European Weekly League sounds pretty good to me. So think Meisterschaft, but international. Mm, yeah. That could be interesting, actually. Do you think that would be better if ESL Pro Tour was something more like that? A weekly league instead of like an actual tournament over a few weeks? It's hard to say, especially with the regions. Um, and also, like, I wish there was more details added to this, even though we can try and theorize ourselves. Like, what's a European weekly league, right? Do you want, what's like, multiple groups, one group with, like, 10 people that yeah. play each other every week, and then, like, maybe top two or top four qualifiers? It really depends on the specific formats. And Warcraft 3 is very complicated in that you wouldn't really know would want to play. Like, uh, would Happy want to play, for example? Because Happy usually... I've organized tournaments before, and, like, the first question he asks is, like, what's the prize and how long does it take to play? <laughs> yes. I remember there was a tournament I organized where he had to win three best of threes or something to win. It was decent first prize, but it was across three different days. And he was like, no, I just want to play everything in one day. Otherwise, I'm not interested. So it's like, okay, you know, it might... On one hand, then you don't have him and there's maybe more suspense on who might win. But at the same time, you're missing like maybe one of the biggest yeah. player yeah. and name and favorites. Yeah, I think if you put all the players into one big league, um, I don't know. You, you give away a lot of matches in the group stages already. And you need this kind of suspense like we have in Meisterschaft now between you and X-Lord happening next week that we haven't seen in like three seasons uh, and if you put it all in one league then you will get these matches guaranteed which of, is on one side a cool thing but then takes away from the playoffs but yeah I, I thought about this a lot I think continuous content is really really good having the players exposed for like eight weeks straight or something into playoffs so have a 10, 10 week league is pretty good, but yeah, it's a it's it, it's a time commitment. It would cost, of course, a lot of prize pool to ask so much time from the players, and then you kind of want a, something like a second division or at least like relegation as well. Yeah. But yeah, that could be a concept for twenty twenty two. We'll see. There is some tournaments like this, by the way. It's like not the necessarily the highest level, and not just like all European, but there is the fountain of. Of man manners, yeah, is it? yeah. 
that that just started, which is the following. I think it was maybe Z League before, which is like that. It's a league, like big groups, and then people just play each other every week and stuff. It's not easiest to follow always because yeah. I think it's like a lot of players that stream their own games, but it's it is something that can be fun to follow as well. And now it really makes me wonder, you know, like what would a European league be like? But we do see every week like the same guys play, right? Like a lot of the top Europeans they play every Open Cup, so they're always playing one another. Like it still would be the same matches, just the, in a different league if, if that happens. I guess the big difference is, at least if if you take the league super serious, then you have a one week to prepare for one specific opponent. I yeah. think that's that's the best thing you can have from a player's perspective. So it's not like these these uh, tournaments at the moment where you have to prepare for a whole group. Or you have very little time to prepare. Or, of course, in cups where there's no preparation possible at all. So that would be the one of the big ups for a league like that. Yeah. And also, I think some things should be done to improve the production value of a lot of these events. Like yeah. every tournament, in my opinion, that's like somewhat semi-big should have uh, cameras of players. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, in Warcraft 3, we have like some super uh, secretive slash antisocial players that just don't want to give their camera, so we'd have to do without them. But for those that share them, it would be nice to be able to see the face of the people playing. Like in StarCraft, it is mandatory. There is no way around it. Like you always have players' camera, I believe, yeah. in every tournament. In DreamHack, we started being introduced. For some reason, in Meistershaft, it's not there, even though I think it would add a lot. To be Me able too. to see the the players' faces and stuff through the game, you know, like in the moment where it's going good or it's going bad, like what do they look like? Do they smile at all? I like that. And also pre-game statements, like yeah, man. it used to be a thing. Like you used to be forced in Intel Extreme Masters, and I think WC3L as well to do a pre-match statement. Yeah. So sometimes, like back then, there was a lot of trash talk, and you had to find a way to trash talk without actually trash talking so bad that you would get penalty <laughs> points, and that was a challenge in itself. And that was fun reading some of these statements. And I remember I one day, one day I was so fed up of these statements, of having to write them. And my statement was just straight up. I'm so tired of these statements. <laughs> so I'm going to write 280 words or whatever you guys are requiring me to do just because I need to write a statement. <laughs> and I didn't want to write this statement. And dude, I, like, I kid you not, I got penalty points for this. <laughs> because of this garbage statement. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm so with you. I think as a player, it's kind of a little annoying, but it's it's not the days of WC3L anymore. Y you can just use your phone and send me a voice message or record a one minute video. That is yeah. a, a lot easier to, than to just write it down. It's so simple. And I've been telling the admins for all seasons now that this is something that was used in... ESL Pro Series back in the day. This is something people loved at the first two play days when we still had it. And then they decided to not force it anymore, which was kind of sad. But hey, yeah, that would be... If I would do a European League or be involved, statements would be mandatory for sure. Yeah, I was trying to do it a little bit in the Meisterschaft before, but then nobody else did it. And yeah. then at some point, I just got lazy because I, I think I was doing it wrong also. I was like recording with OBS and then I had to upload it on Google Drive, send you the link. <laughs> Actually, that's not a bad idea with phone. I might send you statements again. Yeah, you uh, can just send it via WhatsApp. It's yeah. a little compressed, but whatever. We're not doing a television production here. Yeah. This I think like tournaments should make these things mandatory more because yeah. it makes things so interesting. And like Absolutely. we got some great personalities as well. Not everybody wants to share their camera, but... The statesmen, they would be pretty spicy, let me tell you. Like, yeah. including some of mine for sure. So maybe oh, I'll send yeah. you one for my next matches. All right. Next one is for Sunny tomorrow, right? Uh, 
Oh yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, Thank that's reminding me. That that is the good thing of these leagues that you can prepare for a week, as you can clearly clearly see that Todd is doing that each and every single week. It's or, human mirror. Like nothing can prepare me for the three rings I'm gonna find. Exactly, and maybe the focus is already for the match in two weeks when you're up against X Lord. I don't need any practice for that. <laughs> I All smacked right. him around uh, two, day, two days ago. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. All right. Um, last qu question by Grinchy. Is meditation part of your practice? For me or? Yeah, for both of us. Personally, not. Uh, but I do think it's probably a positive thing. I've, I've explained this before, but my clarity moment personally is when I shower. When I shower, I'm like so peaceful and I always think about like, you know, if I want to think about build orders, that's the moment where I'm going to be able to make some big edits and big decisions in my gameplay. You know, I'll be like, okay, from now on, I'm not going to put my towers here. I'll put them here, like my blacksmith. I'll wall this way from now. I'll try to play without a wall from now or something. So it's kind of like I'm meditating in there, so to speak. For the longest time, I associated meditating with, you know, Sitting in a yoga pose with arms yeah. extended and being like, mm, namaste or whatever. But <laughs> I think meditating is really just closing your eyes, perhaps, and like thinking, taking some deep breath and uh, trying to focus on something or, or not at all. I don't know. And uh, I guess I do it in an unconventional way, but yep. uh, it, it can be a good thing. It's I wouldn't say I wouldn't go around, say, like I meditate regularly, but maybe I do. Who knows? <laughs> yes. I hope you shower regularly, though. Um <laughs> I do kind of the same. Uh, usually, wherever I go, I listen to music or some some podcast. But I try to take fifteen minutes a day to shut that off and do some breathing exercises, which is kind of meditation as well. Uh, but yeah, n not forcing myself to do that really. Sometimes I feel like it. Sometimes I don't. Uh, but might be something for the future. All right. That is the Back to Warcraft podcast number 26. Todd the Real Bro stepped up in no time when he learned that I need a new partner for this. How did you like it? Was everything all right? It's fun, but I feel like we could go on for like 10 hours. <laughs> we could, man. It's, this is already one of the longest episodes uh, ever. Of course, you can get this podcast early on a Patreon, patreon.com slash back to Warcraft. If you are on the theory crafter level or above, you get these episodes, you get priority in the Q&As that we do here. And of course, coaching is part of that. Uh, replay analysis is part of that. And, you know, a couple of, couple of uh, leaks are there as well when it comes to our new design that we're working on you can give your feedback on that and uh, help us improve for the future thank you very much guys the big patrons here of course knubber quakes the freaking golden goat the madman supporting us on the highest tier possible but also a big shout out to toxie to dondolare to grinchy to jgats to npadrud to miss description taggy Armin VB, Burning Blades, and KMS. You guys are very, very helpful in supporting and financing this podcast and also giving great feedback on with what I've shared. Todd, any final words to the audience? Thank you for having me and... Uh... Am I allowed to do some shoutouts for myself? <laughs> you can do all the shoutouts you want, man. Okay, if you guys want to follow me, I'm Todd on Twitch and uh, you're on Merlo on Twitter. Um, I appreciate everybody that watches this game and uh, much love everybody much love everybody the perfect ending bye bye